tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, man. Yeah, that's remarkable. You know, Alex, the way that this podcast usually starts is that I ask you a question. And then even though that question might be hard to answer or confusing, you still try. You do try to answer the question. You try your darndest. Is that is that true? I would say I put a good amount of effort into providing intellectual sounding responses to your uh, often <laughs> are you calling me anti-intellectual is that what you're saying about my questions that they're that they're no not at all in fact dumb? i think i think you throw the gauntlet they're they're oftentimes uh so highbrow that it's a it's a high bar for me to meet you make it sound like every podcast starts with like a new trolley question right. <laughs> <laughs> um the, the fact that you try to answer my questions, well, first of all, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. You know, we're engaging here, human mm-hmm. to human, in a normal form, which is yep. podcasting for thousands of people to listen to. Yeah. But second of all, it's just one of the many ways that you're different from the man named Dave Cavill, who is the president <laughs> of the Oakland Athletics. Tell me more. I would like to read you the first question in the Q&A article that our friend Evan Drellick wrote after the Oakland Athletics had their move to Las Vegas plan unanimously approved by Major League Baseball's ownership. Uh, Evan did a Q&A with Dave Cavill, who has been the, the relocation guy. He has been the guy at the center of this charge. Um, he was tasked with finding a new stadium, come hell or high water, anywhere, in any jurisdiction across this great land that is the United States of America. Um, here's the question. In light of the owner's voting 30 to nothing to approve this. Could anything halt the move to Las Vegas now? Here's Dave Cavill's response. Let me know when you hear him answer that question. Stop me when you hear him answer that question. Okay. I think today was the big step. Today was the key step. It was a four-month, very thoughtful and deliberate process at the league with many different levels of approval and pushback and negotiation to get to this point. And I think it was handled very professionally in accordance with the original memo on relocation. We're really excited about where we are. And we're really proud that we were able to get a unanimous vote. I think that's a big deal. End. End of answer. Hmm. Let me just remind you of the question. Could anything halt the move to Las Vegas now? I think today was the big step. They're really good at, at posing answers that make it hard to disagree with because it's hard to tell what the stance is that they are actually taking. Today sure was a big step. I, so like, I, can't, I can't push back on that. Evan, follow-up question. The Athletic has reported the success of the team could potentially hinge on tourism. Do you see it that way? If not, how do you see it? Cavill response. I think our success on the business side is going to be balanced. There's going to be two things that need to be balanced. Okay, wait, wait, are you ready to write these down? There's two things. Two things. So make sure you know I have both my notepad things. ready. One is the strength of the local market and local fans. The 2.2 million people who live in southern Nevada coming to games and supporting the team. Everybody will come. Everyone will come. If This is what they meant when they said, if you build it, they will come. If you build a stadium in the desert that nobody asked for, millions of people who live in southern Nevada will drive hundreds of miles to come to it they'll, to watch a team that lost 112 games and has no top 100 prospects coming. They'll drive to it without even knowing 
why they're driving there, right? <laughs> they'll be they'll be tossing the names around in their mind: Shay Langoliers, Zach Geloff. Okay, that was the first um, the first side of the balanced equation that we have here that Cavill's talking about. And right. then there is the tourists, the forty five million people a year who come to Las Vegas, and both of those are going to need to be part of a successful financial business, a business plan. And we feel that if you look at the Raiders, and if you look at the Golden Knights, you see two examples. Shining stars, actually, in terms of success. Those teams both, in the 40th media market in the country, insane self-owned, have the highest ticket revenue in their respective sports. I was led to believe that ticket revenue wasn't important. Right, I'm struggling to see the correlation between that and product that fans are interested in engaging with. You could actually argue that the, the higher the ticket revenue, the more of an indictment that is on the accessibility of the product that you're putting onto the field, maybe? That's like when, when Elon says, no, we're, we're going for uh, total user seconds. It's like, well, I guess. That very real metric that we right. all can agree on. I guess total a small number of people seconds. are spending a lot of resources the Vegas, the, the Raiders being the example for why you should move your team to Vegas is so sick. They built that stadium and nobody really comes there. The reason that the ticket revenue is high because they sold a bunch of box seats to companies. Not because the dedicated Raider fans are flying out from Oakland every week. Right. The Raiders spend are, a weekend in Las Vegas and see their Raiders. Are, are 30th out of 32nd in, in attendance this year. <laughs> So I just I just want to throw that out there. Even better than I could have imagined. Even <laughs> better. Oh, it's so beautiful. We don't have time to do the entire uh Evangelic Dave Cavill Q&A. Um but I did want to <laughs> I did want to do one more question. Two other Las Vegas attractions, F1 and the Sphere, are not meeting expectations. Do you see any concern in that? Here's Dave Cavill's response. Those are such different products in so many ways. <laughs> that, wow. <laughs> I've tangentially been involved in both. I've been to the events and I've gotten the tours and I've seen it and they're very impressive. That's, I don't on, know if that's they're not the best being, example. That is not being involved in either of those projects. I've been to both and taken tour. I've taken a tour of Yankee Stadium. You're, not, you're involved I'm, with the, you're involved with the Yankees. I wouldn't say I'm involved with that enterprise. You're in bed with the Yankees in many ways. Yeah, I think one thing is clear that Vegas attracts so much interest globally, whether it, whether it is F1 or the Sphere, and it really is the place where people are having the global conversation about these new trends and whatever the new zeitgeist is in the world. And I think that's exciting for baseball and the A's. So he takes Evan's question about how F1 and the Sphere are failing, and he's like, "Actually, no, this is the global zeitgeist." Amazing response. I love how how people are. He he implies that this is where people are having the conversations about these trends, right? And all I can think of is people sitting at, in the stands at an F one race, being like, "What a shitty trend this is! Boy, what a mistake it was to decimate our city for this." People at the Sphere being like. We're the global zeitgeist right now. Do you like you looking around, pointing at each other like the Paul Rudd meme? Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> We're the global zeitgeist. What oh, an amazing one more bonus one for you. Yeah. Top level, is this a bet to move to Las Vegas? A gamble. At least some in ownership think that it could go one direction, but it could also go another direction. Dave Cavill's response. 
That's true in any business decision, I suppose. <laughs> oh. Oh, Dave. Oh, Davey. He just keeps doing it. You know, he just keeps doing it. It's like every time you think he can't top himself, he throws on a pair of sunglasses and an A's lanyard. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Evan, call me when you get a second. This is why I'm really mad that he's off Twitter these days because he's got these gems in the chamber. Well, we have to cherish this because as soon as the A's break ground in Las Vegas, his ass is getting the pink slip. He's done so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's canned. Can and I? That, uh, that's when you. That's when you apply. That's when you come in. <laughs> right. Well, I've obviously been uh, involved in this project from the very beginning, <laughs> since I was born, you could say. <laughs> I've, t- I've been tangentially related to these projects. I want to read one more question and answer for you. Is that all right? Great. At this point, we're just going to do the whole interview. It doesn't even matter. Are. We have uh, an interview I, with Trevor should, May coming I, up, but we're doing we're recreating an interview that ran in print first. Well, actually, I, I should note that that is not from what I'm about to read is not from this interview. Actually, it's from a it's from it's a couple weeks old. You may have seen this, but I, we would not be staying true to who we are here on Tipping Pitches if we did not at least reference this on the podcast once. Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to read the question and answer, and then maybe you can. Um, try and divine who who the person is who's giving this interview. Uh, your ticketing startup, Jump, is trying to compete with Ticketmaster at a time when many customers are looking for a more level playing field. Of fan swarms, are you a Swifty or in the Beehive? Oh, I'm both. What they're doing is incredible. I mean, what they're doing for young women out there, equality, <laughs> all the good things we want our young daughters to have. I mean, Beyonce and Taylor, they couldn't have two better. <laughs> do, you, do you know who said this? Wait, so it's someone in the baseball world, I have to assume. It is someone in the baseball world. Someone, someone you, you, some might say we know very well. It's very near and dear to our hearts. Alex Rodriguez. Boom. <laughs> Boom. You know what they're doing for young women out there? Equality. <laughs> Anything else, Alex? <laughs> I... So, A-Rod is so many things, but you do have to remember, he is the father of daughters. He is. You have to factor that in when you factor in his weird behavior. He's just a guy trying to be a dad. To teenage daughters, it's tough out there. It is. From what I've heard. I'm 27. I don't know. (laughs) I I love the... Because he very clearly did not want to wade into this discourse and get get one fan base mad at him, right? So, he's like, I'm going to kind of toe the line a little bit go middle of the road and just talk about what they, what they do. They're, they're women artists. There haven't always been, there haven't always been women artists. So what they're doing is fighting for equality. Oh, a rod. That was from a wall street journal, uh, interview who gave a couple weeks ago where he also divulged that he doesn't actually personally interview everyone who is hired at his company. Only, only the, the four or five direct reports that he has, which just means I need to set my bar a little bit higher in my job applications. Well, I thought you were applying to be his executive assistant. So presumably he would not want to interview the person who's going to be his direct assistant. You, again, you already have a leg up. Your name is Alex. (laughs) Like, listen, here, you don't have to remember another name. (laughs) You know, a lot of people, like anybody whose name is Alex, Derek, uh, David, Pedro, you're in. Those are like five names he already knows. <laughs> <laughs> he has a limited capacity for names that he can retain. No, because he's thinking about assets. 
He has really to remember is. every ticker symbol for all of the Fortune 500 companies that are publicly traded. He can't remember names like Bobby. <laughs> I could never get that job. No. I I didn't know he start, was starting a ticketing startup. Like I, I yeah, guess I could have guessed that, but everybody wants to have a ticketing startup. The amount of like random ticket apps that I've had to download just to like go to one concert, it's like hmm. I at least appreciate it when it works, you know? Yeah. If you're gonna force me to download a new app, it better work well. It better work well. Dice. Dice, Dice is the is the big one in the Dice, in like the emo world. Right. Dice is hot right now. Mm-hmm. I emailed or I, I sent you a ticket on the Dice app. And I feared that it might be lost in the ether because I didn't know what email address it sent it to. And then all of a sudden it was in your app. I don't know how they did it. I love science. <laughs> I love divine your, rights. They're the just like utter confusion that like that arises in you when there's like a piece of technology that you just that like especially works with the cloud or something. It's like you immediately revert to Boomer. We were talking about RSS feeds the other day when launching the the Patreon feed, and you were like, I just I don't understand how this technology works. Like, so how is it going to get into each person's feet? They're going to have a different, what's going to happen when they unsubscribe? How does this, I don't understand. I do understand how an RSS feed reads, Mm. how how an RSS feed works and how an RSS feed reader takes it. But how for each individual patron, if they unsubscribe and resubscribe, so it, it makes its own RSS feed for every single person. I mean, it's not like RSS feeds are, a finite resource that that's just a couple digits, you know, right? In code, it's not like we're running out of it. it. Doesn't cost that much to make an RSS feed, but it just feels like a you actually kind of you do have to mine Bitcoin to create new RSS feeds. Well, you're always mining Bitcoin with your <laughs> server farms offshore, yeah, right? <laughs> you work for a you work for an environmental sustainability company because you're trying to offset all of the negative <laughs> exactly. effects that you've had by mining Bitcoin for the last five years. Um, I was just like, so it's just a unique RSS feed for every single person. Like, how does this work? I don't get it. I don't get it. Don't want to get it. I don't get it. But the Dice thing, now this is just so much free promotion for Dice. Yeah. It's that I am so shocked when things actually do work because so few things are functional Mm -hmm. in our technological world these days. Like, you try opening up the Criterion app on Samsung television. There's no search bar. You just have to scroll. And hope you find the movie. Hope you find the director. Who decided that? <laughs> Who decided that? <laughs> I love it. You're becoming you're becoming a, a UX guy, just like me. I've always been a UX guy, but not out of like personal interest. Mostly out of like deep frustration, right? Like personal inconvenience. I'm not like when the UX is good. I'm not like, oh, thank you. This is this is lovely. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the delicate differences between this and another thing that has good UX. But when it's bad. I know how to complain. I mean, yeah. six years of this podcast is evidence of that. Although I should note, you were you were singing you were singing the virtues of the Patreon podcast player. Yeah, it's the, pretty good. just just the other day. Pretty good. And you know what? It didn't downgrade the audio or anything. It sounded good. Listened to it in multiple places. And I care about that kind of stuff. You do. You can take this man's word for it. <laughs> I'm just a craftsman. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> just approach life like it's one big craft. I was never good at arts and crafts in school, so now I have to be good at a craft in my profession to <laughs> get over that. Um, okay. Someone who was good at his craft was Trevor May. And we talked to him for uh, a good hour. 
about many things about the Major League Baseball Players Association, of course, about his feelings about that A's and John Fisher, which are in the news this week. Um, pop punk music. He actually legitimately broke some news. It's not like important news, but it's funny news. Mm-hmm. And everybody listening will, will appreciate it. Um, and Trevor was really, really generous with his time. And we were happy to finally make it happen since when he went on his John Fisher rant. There was just dozens and dozens of people in both of our mentions being like Trevor May go on tipping pitches. Before we go to Trevor, do you want to talk at all about the owner vote to say that the A's can move to Las Vegas? Is there anything else that you want to say that Dave Cavill didn't already openly and honestly and transparently elucidate in Evan Drellick's Q&A? I feel like I could probably go on for hours and end up sounding like a broken record. No, with save, what it, we've... save it for the bonus, the bonus feed, bro. <laughs> yeah, Alex Monopod, three-hour Monopod about the A's. I, I mean, I don't really know what to say. The the slow sort of drip drip of information about this move over the last year or two has probably softened the edges of this sort of thing, right? Because it doesn't feel like the rug getting ripped out from from under me. It sort of feels like the final piece of the puzzle in my my masterpiece of misery. You know, like yeah, like all right. Well, I was wait I was waiting for that. At that least was kind now of a I don't. Bar, by the way, <laughs> thanks. Go off, King. Like, the final at least... piece of the puzzle in my masterpiece of misery. Yeah, that's our that's our first two emo album titles: <laughs> <laughs> the final piece of the puzzle and masterpiece of misery. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm sure we will talk more about it this off season. I feel for all the folks who work for the A's who are going to have to answer for the whims of one very rich man. (laughs) Um, Trevor does a really good job of sort of laying out where the blame in this scenario lies. And it's very clear, but I don't know, man, I just feel desensitized. And, you know, there's talk about them playing in the giant stadium in the interim between the the lease of the Coliseum being up and them opening the stadium in Las Vegas, there's talk of them playing in their triple a stadium. I, I just don't understand how this is not completely embarrassing that this is what you're doing to a major league baseball team. This is what you're doing to an entire fan base and encouraging them to stick around. Oh, Hey, A's fans. Why don't you just come over to Oracle? And watch the A's play there until they move. I I won't. I mean, I won't because I live on the other side of the country. But I think many A's fans feel like that is probably a slap in the face. And have no interest in bending over backwards to support a team that has abandoned them. I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't see it happening. Yeah, they, so... And to read one of Evan's tweets, nothing was decided today as to where the A's play in 2025 through 2027, which is the period of time when the lease at the current lease at the Coliseum expires, but supposedly they won't be ready to move and to move to Las Vegas and actually play there until 2020, the 2028 season, I guess. Uh, so Evan said that the possibilities include staying at the Oakland Coliseum, going to AAA Sacramento Stadium, among others. Um, I don't know. None of those seem like bad options, or none of those seem like good options. All of them seem pretty bad. I 
I I would guess that they're just going to stay in the Coliseum for two extra years. But I, it would be cool if they were if the city was like, no, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> go find a little league field to play on. We don't care. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be better because then that would make that would solidify that that would be like making the clown put on the clown suit. You know, right. like making them go play at a AAA stadium, making them play in a in a in at Oracle where there's just giant stuff all up all over the t- all over the place. No home games, basically. Like, and especially given, I mean, there's fitting. there's obviously like a you know a level of rivalry that exists between A's fans and Giants fans, and um, but especially with the way that that has kind of come out in the last couple of years and Cavill like purposefully needling the Giants and Giants fans over like yeah, attendance, attendance and stuff, you know, right. I, I think it's such, it's so backwards that the, the first time that I think many A's fans are seeing the owner of the team talk is at a press conference where he announces the unfortunate move to Las Vegas. I just, if you want this to be your crowning moment in your ownership tenure, own it. Own it. Come out and say, this is what you're doing. This is why you're doing it. You can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. Quote, John Fisher. Or, may, or quote, maybe you can. I understand that it is an incredibly difficult day for Oakland fans. And I just want to say we did everything we could to try and find a solution there. And it was only the last couple of years we started to turn our attention to another market. Everything we could. It's like me saying we did everything we could to cover international soccer on this podcast for the last five years. (laughs) We did everything we could to talk about Supreme Court decisions of the 1910s. Honestly, we did more than that. Yeah. (laughs) We did that more than the A's tried to stay in Oakland. (laughs) I just, that's interesting. Did you consider um, paying more of your own money? Did you consider finding a site that actually wasn't a joke? Like, Mm -hmm. did you consider finding a site that maybe made sense? Right. Did you consider not ripping off taxpayers to pay for your vanity project? Because maybe maybe you did. Maybe you did. In which case, this is all fair. Fair game. John, I hear you. I love that the, there was just never on the table to just build on the Coliseum site. Like, that right. is just <laughs> so clearly the right answer. Like, mm-hmm. from the very beginning. But he just got downtown ballpark pilled. Like, everybody in the world is. But for some reason, he didn't come to his senses when he realized that that was never going to actually happen, especially in Oakland, in California. Like, that's a much harder thing to just ram through. And this is what happened. This is what came of it. Side note. Okay. Final thing on this, and then we can go to our interview with Trevor. I got to say, I'm pretty disappointed that this is like not a bigger deal. Even if you don't, even if you don't fault John Fisher. Even if you don't come out and be like, John Fisher must die to borrow a movie title from the 2000s. Unfortunately, I don't think I can name this episode that. (laughs) We could if it was on the Patreon feed, bro. We're going to be going crazy over there. (laughs) Um, How is this still not like a bigger story than like where Yamamoto is going to take meetings with? Like, I, I, I love him. I hope he comes to the Mets. But like, this is the second time this has happened in the last 50 years. Yeah. It's just... and, and I mean, I know whole... I specifically picked on Tom Verducci because he wrote 11 articles about the pitch clock this year and zero articles about the Oakland Athletics moving from Oakland. <laughs> but, like, come on. This is the guy. 
This is the guy who's been covering baseball longer than anyone in baseball media, who is like one of the biggest baseball reporters. And he presents as a sideline reporter on the World Series. So he is meant to have some gravitas. And if all you did was read Tom Verducci's columns and watch your team play, you literally would not know that the A's are moving. <laughs> like you wouldn't even know. Yeah. Like he didn't even write a column that was being like, the A's are moving. This is crazy. Here's some historical context. Not even like not faulting John Fisher or blaming it on Rob Manford or whatever. He just straight up just it's a stay away for me, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm That's just not, not really touch not really that. my area. I like to write what I know. I mean, it's a real like Chad versus the Virgin situation because Ken Rosenthal is the other sideline reporter, or at right. least he was. Um, he still is, right? He still does the Fox yeah. mm-hmm. sideline report during the World Series, and he is, as far as huge national columnists with a platform go, he's he's been with it. Under no circumstances do you have to hand it to Ken Rosenthal. No, sometimes Bobby. you gotta hand it hand it to Ken. Right, a broken clock. It's right twice a day, as they say. I've come around on Ken. I'm yeah? in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He annoys me sometimes, Just, but I've come around. But like, someone has to have the access to the journalism, right? Well, we got some guys. We got some guys. <laughs> I love this the story that's like kind of been floating out there, which is like, don't worry, Oakland's going to be a top two candidate for eventual MLB expansion. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. You so you're telling me that maybe Oakland down the road might be a viable market for Major League Baseball. When so awesome. over the last decade the only thing we've heard out of Oakland A's management is the market just isn't right for a baseball team. It's just not there. It just is never-ending proof that Rob literally cannot make anyone do anything. It's just like... He's the most powerless, powerful man on planet Earth. (laughs) It's like how, like in movies or TV shows or whatever, I guess in in real life too. You know, if if you and your friend are in some trouble and you're like gonna go be, I don't know, interviewed by cops or whatever like you get your story straight ahead of time yeah you say hey hey we should probably be on the same page about what happened that night and why it happened that way just like us with the beer pong (laughs) when we got in trouble for throwing a college party you're like all right we're only gonna talk about these names that they already have (laughs) (laughs) oh my god we did interview a, a Recently retired baseball player on this podcast. I should I should just reiterate, just in case folks have forgotten. <laughs> we did, and we're going to go to that right now. But before we do, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Okay, we're finally doing it. After much clamoring... Trevor May is here on the pod. Trevor, hello. Welcome. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Trevor, my first question is, why are you retiring, man? You were, you were really good last year. What's up? <laughs> I was good last year because I'm retiring. Uh, <laughs> it's the classic. It's the big poppy effect. Uh, once you see the light at the end of the tunnel, suddenly you can, you can use all your energy. Um, and nothing seems to... That whole like life or death, like if I don't pitch good, then everyone will hate me situation kind of just goes away. <laughs> It's like uh, the the Bradley Cooper movie Limitless. Like you get that extra one percent of your ability. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know you're retiring. You unlock something. You unlock something. You're, the the fear. There's the fear kind of 
goes away a little bit. Um, not away, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was just time. And, uh, honestly, the pitching well was a big part of the reason that it kind of locked it in as opposed to making me think about it. Um, just a lot of the guys don't get to do that. I, I just, I think there's something to be said for just going on in your own terms. I, it's something that I've always wanted. Um, I was yeah. drafted. I knew there was going to be an end and, that I was going to like, I like other things and I'll always have liked other things as you can see by my camera. So, uh, I just wanted to start that. I just was ready to go, ready to start. Yeah. I mean, you have stayed busy since retirement. You've, you, I mean, you were busy before retirement off the field. You were already streaming, creating content. And, uh, and I mean, as you said, you have these other interests. You, you have a podcast that you're doing right now, May Contain Action. Um, you just launched a newsletter, the May Day Report as well. I mean, I think most baseball players, when they retire, would probably take a breath and say, and say, all right, I can, I can throw my feet up while I'm sitting on the couch. I mean, what sort of, where does this sort of creative drive come from to really just want to, um, I don't know, get out there and share your perspectives, talk to different people. Um, it's always been there. Frankly, I've been doing this since uh had baseball not taken over my life uh, and like been a real opportunity. Um, had I grown up maybe a little bit or was born a little later, I might have just went for the YouTube route from high school. Like I yeah. could have easily because it just lined up with a lot of the things that I used to do. I was the guy doing all the uh putting together all the lip syncs for the class competitions and uh, I was always in clash leadership and coming up with cool ideas for how we could uh, do things like that's just kind of how I've always been. So it just made sense um, that I would spend my free time doing these things. So, but yeah, guy, I like uh, anyone who knows me knows that like taking a breath or like going on a vacation and like say hitting it on the beach, not my style. My style <laughs> is uh, getting some time to pursue the things that pop into my head. Um, that's my happy place. Yeah, of course, I burn myself out sometimes that I actually do need to rest. And there's like, even today, I was like, I probably should have slept more last night. But I was like, <laughs> pumped to get up. And like I wake up in the morning, like fired up to get upstairs. Uh, and it's like dark out still. And that <laughs> happens a lot. I just, I just sacrifice sleep for, I don't know, working on a newsletter or writing an article or just making a video or I don't know, downloading clips of pitches because I want to make a, like I'm working on a Josh Hader uh, a free agency uh, breakdown right now um, and I had to get a bunch of clips today because I want to add a video with the article so uh, uh, sa sacrificing sleep to work on our newsletter who can relate That's, yeah. uh, I was going to say Trevor's kind of year is it, shame you know? because we <laughs> we're sometimes delinquent on our newsletters yeah. and Trevor's like a professional athlete he's like ready to rock or first thing in the morning well, with the newsletter the content got to be consistent <laughs> with them or they're, they aren't successful that's, that's what exactly I always right. say so <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, have you had much time to really like sit down and reflect on your career or is it still kind of sinking in? Have you given yourself, though you've been creating content and doing YouTube and doing videos and stuff like that, have you given yourself the time to kind of reflect back on it or is that for a next year when the games start and you're not involved in them activity? Um, there is a certain level that I can't do until the season starts and then I'm not participating in that way but i also think that that's going to be there's going to be so much stuff to talk about that i'm just going to get lost in that and then i'm going to forget that i even played frankly uh, <laughs> uh but yeah reflecting i this is reflecting kind of um yeah. it's like informing the things that i'm doing now and that i'm pursuing now um was th those experiences so now it's i'm in i 
I had the experiences and I learned. Now it's time to share. That makes sense. So um, as I share, I, I then get to sort through, uh, sort through things and and think critically about things. Trust me, man. I did plenty of thinking about it during the season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I knew it was impending. I knew it was coming. I knew since I knew since opening day that that was probably it. Uh, I was like ninety eight percent, and then yeah. the last two percent locked in during that May I I IL stint. So uh, it's just. I, I kind of knew, and it's that's that's kind of what happens. Like everyone who says they retired, and I don't know if you guys read uh, the, the book. It's probably not a very popular book to read at the moment now, uh, but about the Astros run in seventeen, and uh, it was just about Beltron and when he knew. Yeah, uh, just res- right. like you, you just know. You just like you're like, well, yep, I want to stay home with my kids, and I don't want to go on this road trip, and it just kind of happens. Um, I don't have kids, but I was just like. <laughs> I don't want to go to. Spring you got a training. newsletter and a podcast, man. That's your kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I got two cats. I want to hang on the cats. I don't want to. Uh, yeah. Mostly, it was like I just don't want to go to spring training because I don't want to get. The, I don't want to do. I don't want to go. I want to get going again. Uh, but then when I got going, it was like it's still fun to play. I still love playing the game. Um, it's just all the other stuff just started to overshadow. All the other stuff that you have to sacrifice. You know, time with your family, time with your, time with your wife. Uh, you know, like I just live it out of suitcase. I just. Don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I completely I think there are a lot of fans, right, who maybe look at a look at a player's stat line or something like that. And they're like, oh, well, like, why do he hang it up? He's still got a couple couple more years in him, right? And and in a in a certain sense, I think it kind of, you know, casts aside the the fact that these are like humans, right? Who like who do get tired sometimes at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. And and yeah, it's a it's a career, but but it's not necessarily, you know how you're you want to be defined for the rest of your life necessarily i mean maybe it is for some players right i also Um, i kind of love the idea that you said you know going out having a good year solidified it for you whereas like a lot of people describe it as you have one good year and you're like oh i could stuck keep doing this keep going yeah Yeah. i get it i get both for you like the last feeling of of still being good still having a good season still putting up a good line and not going out because like oh i had to have shoulder surgery and now i don't feel like rehabbing it anymore because i'm i'm approaching my mid-30s like that's a I think an interesting paradigm shift um, of a perspective, and I like that. I like hearing that. That's cool. Yeah, it was. It was. That's a big part of it. I. I just. I. I just did not. 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 No part of seeing yourself slowly deteriorate over time, and then that a, a group of people tell you you're just not good enough anymore. Right. <laughs> didn't feel like a good way to go out. There's and and to be honest, when you're drafted, man. They just tell you like, hey, get your ten years. You got to get your ten years. Everyone's like, you got to get. You got to get it. I'm like, why? They're like pension. I'm like, you get we, it's a prorated pension. You're just getting quarters of year every time. What's what's the difference between nine and ten? They're like, uh, what about uh, ten and five rights? I'm like, that's only if you play past ten years. So if you don't play past, <laughs> like, there's nothing. There's nothing to be gained really. And uh, who knows how much you know? What is two twenty? Uh, it hasn't changed. Uh, the pension hasn't changed in twenty years either. Uh, two hundred or like it's gone from like two ten to two twenty. Like that's not going to be in thirty years. I don't even know what that's going to be worth. I can't right. think on that. And as you know, I wasn't going to like not work anyways. So like, yeah. what am I waiting for? And yeah. I couldn't answer that question anymore. It was just like, it was, it was just milking money as much as you could. And that's just not how I want to live my life. Though, uh, so, yeah, it'll hurt to know that I probably did leave some money on the table, but lots of guys did on it. Michael Kadire had a player option for $13 million. Two years after he won a batting title, he's like, eh. What? He's like, yeah, I'm good. He could have just gotten $13 million for free. 
Yeah. Basically. Because you don't even have to perform <laughs> really. So that's just not just who he was. Up. He's just yeah, like, I'm right. not going to do that because I'm not going to be able to give you everything. I know I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be into it. And you don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. So like, keep your money. And that and the the Rockies were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, sometimes some guys do that. And yeah, it's not that what everyone would do, but it's what they would do. So it's a really good thing the Rockies had that extra 13 million. Now I'm sure they went and you put it in good places. Yeah. Like well, paying to get rid of Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Well, Dick, Dick, <laughs> Dick got some of it. So that's good. <laughs> so it, Mi- I mean, all of it. <laughs> Minnesota, <laughs> New York, Oakland. You're drafted by the Phillies too. So I guess from each, from each stop at your major league career, what were the what were your favorite parts or your least favorite parts of living in those places, playing for those organizations? What stands out? Oof, that's a good. There's a lot of both of those things. Um, <laughs> well, let's start with the A's. Let's go backwards. Then, uh, first of all, the A's like the loyalty in that organization. Uh, everyone there has been there for longer than I've been alive. Mostly, pretty much everybody. Um, all all the club staff, anyone who's not a, in their late early twenties. Has been there for decades. Uh, head clubhouse guy in the the wayside's been there for forty two years. Uh, Mickey Morbido, the the very famous traveling secretary, has been there for thirty eight years. Like they've all been there forever. I mean, Kotze played for them. All the coaching staff is either from Oakland or played for the A's. Like so, it's it's very 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 close knit in that way. And then you add in the security guards and the ushers and the hot dog guy. Like they're all the guy that's in the in the in the Buster or in not the Buster not Buster. Uh, uh, Stomper, the Stomper outfit. He's been in there forever. Like they've all, everyone's been there for so long. So like you, that that becomes apparent really quickly. And um, you know, security guards been there for twenty plus years. Like all of them. So uh, it was awesome to like pick people's brains, have them tell you because it's just a storied franchise. So uh, uh, like, what what was it like to hang out with uh, you know, Jason Jami, Mark McGuire? Like, what were they like in the club? Like, I got to hear all these cool stories. Uh, so that was one of my favorite parts. Uh, I sneaky. I'm so glad that I got to be the, on the home side of the Coliseum for one year because you just hear all the stuff, um, you know, and it's just like an, it's like one of those things you got to experience, you got to have. And it, I just wasn't fancy. I didn't really like, I came to the Mets. They had everything they possibly wanted. And for what I just like, I don't use this stuff. Like, I use my <laughs> things and that's it. And I can, I can manage. And yeah, there were days where I was like, man, I wish we had a few more things, but uh, it really was, was, was very unique. And yeah, if you get used to walking up and down stairs, uh, you're good. Uh, you're, there's a lot of stairs, a lot of stairs slash ramps slash both ramps and stairs in the same hallway <laughs> sometimes, which is very, 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 very Coliseum. Um, and then, then we'll go to New York, New York. The, the fan base there is just, it's just like, it's the, it's the world stage, the big, it's the big leagues. Like it's just the big leagues every day. You're never, you're it, never, does it really feel appreciably different? Because you hear that yeah, a lot. You hear that saying phrase it a lot. It really but. does because things are bad, good, bad, like you can get used to it a little bit, but like you go play somewhere else where it's not as like loud all the time. Yeah. And then you come back, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot. Wow. Uh, so I did get used to it a little bit to where I was, I enjoyed it. Uh, the, the booze or the non boot, like whatever it was, it was, it was, it, it was a, they were reacting to you no matter what you did. And that was really like you can internalize that. That's really fun. Um, a city field's beautiful, awesome. Um, one thing I'll say that I hated about both Oakland and New York was the the traffic to the field. <laughs> I lived in San Francisco. I had to drive over the bridge every day. Yeah. And, uh, and there was just nine wrecks because nobody, nobody signaled on that bridge in the entire entirety of its existence. Um, and, and then, you know, driving from 
Long Island City to Flushing was awful. It's just awful. Uh, the, I think the last game, the last game I went to, our last playoff game, it took me an hour and 40 minutes. And I was oh like, I hate this so much. I'm so glad that I don't have to drive this. Yeah, that's the while, same. That's the same borough. Like, what it's are we doing? Same, it's, what, it's six it's miles like, or something? Yeah, it's I was going to say like four miles. It was yeah. awful. And I think it was just like wreck after wreck. And then there was some huge event or I don't know, President Biden was in town. Something crazy was happening. Something insane. And then the Mets are in the playoffs. So like, course it's just like people have been tailgating since 4 a.m so it was it was it was but it was it was fun i just was like i that day i remember being like if i never drive this ever again i it will be too soon um and then uh i mean but i'm living in the city they're driving home every night and being like seeing the skyline be like i live here that's crazy because yeah. i'm from mm-hmm. a tiny town in washington like this is crazy who who would have thought that i would be on a, a new york sports team 12 year old me would think it was as cool as hell. And uh, so I tried to have that thought as much as possible. And then uh, Minnesota's got a lot of both. Um, very close knit, extremely loyal. Uh, one of the nicest groups of people in the planet is, is the Minneapolis area. Um, it's a beautiful city. I very, very slept on, I think. Um, if you like your coffee buff or like you like microbrews and breweries and stuff, they do, they do beer really well there. Um, <laughs> And uh, Target Field's gorgeous. Um, all of the amenities were gorgeous. It's a uh, the the organization, especially you know, towards the end of my tenure there too, with with when Thad and Garrett kind of got settled, and and then uh, Rocco kind of you know he's going to be their guy until he doesn't want to be their guy anymore, right? So when that all set settled in and things were kind of like pretty clear, the world class organization they do good things. They're always going to be they're always going to be in the hunt because of how they do things too. So. Uh, really well run, very, very open, um, honest. You ask questions of those guys up in the fifth floor, they'll answer them for you as bet to the best of their ability. And I really appreciated that. And so, um, I probably had, I was probably the closest with any president GM guy, a group would be probably Minnesota. And I really appreciated them for that. And then again, they all, everyone there has worked there for 30 years. And, and so I got to see them my last, the last road trip, um, second to last city we went to was Minneapolis. I got my last major league save against the twins. Um, and that was the last team I needed to strike. I got my last team. I struck out somebody on every team. And Minnesota was the last one I needed. Uh, were you, were you uh, gripping kind of tight, making sure you got a strikeout? Oh, I got the first <laughs> guy, <laughs> the first or no second guy Who was, it? it was Michael A. Taylor. So I'm like, thank God. Got just, it. We did just it. <laughs> pound in the zone. I, no I wanted that. I wanted to strike out everyone, someone on every team. And then I wanted to, the, I blew another one. I wanted to get, I gave up 60, I think I gave up 60 professional big league home runs, and I only gave up two, more than one to one guy, and that happened this year. Uh, Who was the guy? I get, oh, it was uh, Louis Robert. And I was like, when he hit it, I was like, what's through a slider again? Oh, I knew, <laughs> I knew when he hit it. I was like, no, I just thought about it. Like, I'd never given a second homer up to anybody. I, lo- I learned my lesson, and he got That's me. a stay away, man. He's got <laughs> yeah. light tower power. Just don't throw the slider at all. I, everyone thinks like, oh, yeah, he can't. Like just get throwing over and then no, just don't ever throw it. Just try <laughs> fastballs and hope. Pray. Don't throw a slider. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe a sweeper. Maybe um, a sweeper. Yeah. <laughs> is is, the, is that a, a sort of common thing for players to have to sort of set these internal milestones that maybe mean you know nothing to the average fan, but for you is kind of like a feather you can put in your cap. Is that something that that guys tend to do, or did did you feel like you were the only one who was kind of keeping track of these sorts of things in your head? 
Um, in my career, I haven't uh, on purpose because it's all about being humble. Like, I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that players do. Um, and I don't know when you get to the idea. Like, I didn't make an all star team. I, I was close once. Uh, if there was a second half all star team, I would have made that. So, there, <laughs> so I'll, I'll put my hat, I'll hang my hat on that. I just did it in the wrong half. Um, uh, but. You know, I didn't make any all-star teams. I didn't have all the other accolades, like winning a gold glove. No. Uh, you know, striking out. What was it going to do? Be reliever of the year? I wasn't a closer ever. Like, you have to be a closer. Like, yeah. so any awards for me weren't, weren't really going to happen. So you got to you gotta come up with them on your own. And then this being the last year, I tried to focus on those. So like in the 500, my 500th big league strikeout was Justin Turner. That's sick. That's awesome. Because he doesn't strike out that much either. It was a terrible slider up. And he, and he just like... <laughs> backed up on him or what no it it was like he was like heater he saw heater way up and then he realized right at the end it was going to break so he just tried to like foul it off and it was still a little bit up and he swung under it uh which you don't want you don't want a slider to touch the top of the zone so it was just one of those bad enough to get a swing yeah um and i was like oh i didn't expect that let's go um (laughs) i got that i you know the the, i'd never gotten 20 saves before Uh, i got that uh I got an incentive on my last outing of the year. My only incentive was game <laughs> finished. I had 49 game appearances, 35 games finished. And I needed 35 games. I thought I was going to nowhere close, especially after May. I was like, there's no way I'm getting this. And then the team got behind me. They're like, two more. So <laughs> if you go back and there's some photos online of basically Brent Rooker meet me, would meet me. So after, because he was DHing all the time. So like I'm coming in after slapping hands, I'm coming in and slapping his hands. And he always has a number up. Like he's like, <laughs> Three or four or five. And that's how many games I need. So then we'd like, I put it up and we like touch the thing. And that's what was going on. So like at the end, we're like one, boom. And then we just high fived the end when I got it, uh, which was really cool. So, but everyone was behind me. So like all the guys knew. I told the guys going into that trip that, that it was set in stone. But like Shay knew from very beginning. He would sit up on the plane. He'd always come back to my seat, sit down to me, riders were landing. He's like, so like one more year, bro. Just me and you. <laughs> One more. But he did guess. Like, I had like a seven, right? And I'm starting to close because we don't have anybody else. Uh, and uh, and everyone else is getting hurt. So mm-hmm. um, he kept saying, he's like, dude, you're going to end the year with like a three. And he said two, five. And I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't think there's enough innings. And he's like, okay, three. <laughs> it's just math right there, brother. That's just math. Like, okay, you're going to end with a three. And then at the end, it was like a three, two, eight. And he's like, what did I say? And I was like, <laughs> you're right, enough. bro. I, I, Dude, he's the man. He's he he was always so pumped for me when everything happened. So, uh, shout out to Shay Langleyers, what a guy. So I imagine it must have been weird playing in Oakland in this year specifically with everything going on with the team. Of course, your your rant against A's owner John Fisher was the inciting incident for people saying, "Okay, Trevor, it's time for you to go on tipping pitches," and yeah. we're happy to have you on to talk about your whole career and also to talk about John Fisher and and throw insults out if we must, but. <laughs> Before we do that, before we do that, I did want to ask, what did it, what did it feel like being on, on the field for the reverse boycott? Just for everything, the energy, because we were at one of those games, Alex and I were, um, for one of the reverse boycott games. And it was one of the like weirder but aff- life-affirming experiences that I've ever had as a baseball fan. And I'm not even the ace fan here. Alex is the ace fan on the pod. So I, I can't even imagine what it was like to be on the field for that. Yeah, it was... Uh... Those are highlights of my my career for sure, and I, I think I got saves in both. Of them. Well, one was against San Francisco, and the other one was against the uh, the uh, um, Rays. And the Rays won too, being like their seventh win in a row. Like 
I didn't know, honestly, I didn't know I was going to close either. It just kind of, I wasn't closing at the point, at that point. I think that was my first save of the year. (laughs) So, uh, and I just, for whatever reason, I just was like, this happened. Like, this is just going to happen. Of course it's going to happen. This is going to happen. And that just carried me through. Um, I obviously still walked a couple guys and made it, made it dicey, uh, because I still wasn't dialed in yet physically, but, uh, mentally, I just, I just like was supremely confident. And so, and then just taking in the crowd and just like living in the moment, I just was like, either way, this is going to be something I want to, I want to remember. Cause like I said, I knew it was over. So, um, and I'm so happy that I did that, um, because I'll never forget it. Uh, and the people were so, and were so happy. I don't like it was crazy every time we won a game like we lost 112 games like we know um but every time we won and I was walking in uh, the fan the fans there by the tunnel were so pumped every day no matter how many people were at the games and the high fives were all over the place and they were all so supportive and they know how things are going they know what's going on and they still found a way to really enjoy the game and show out um so they just I I mean they set out I think the fans set out to 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 send a message and that message was sent um, I know after the first one, they got belittled a little bit by the commissioner, which I didn't appreciate it very much either. Um, what do you say? He said something like, uh, oh, congratulations on getting the league average ascendant. Yes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he, he can't, you can't help it. Can you? He's no. so petty. <laughs> just he just can't stop that. himself. Just stepping just on rigs. Be, a, be just be, be like, good job guys. Like you're not, you're not endorsing it. Don't worry. No one thinks that Jesus. Yeah. That's that management side lawyer speak, Trevor. You know what that's like. It's just, it's just petty what it is i don't appreciate i don't just like they're come on man they just want they're they're, they're hurting you know what i mean like yeah. you, people are hurting just can we just acknowledge that please like they're not just doing this to make your life harder they're, they're doing it because they're not happy because you're taking yeah. something from them. so um i didn't appreciate that but i did appreciate the fans that day and every day um and then there was a, a really quick little shout out to at the very very end the last the home uh, like the fan appreciation day, which I don't think we actually had a fan appreciation day in the way they usually do, which was weird. Uh, but there was a sign that said, it's like, thank you players and staff. Like, we know it's not you. Like that was the big sign. I was yeah, like, yeah, you're right. It isn't. And, and I like, <laughs> I like gave him one of these and walked yeah. over and I'm like, wait, like, cause we're like, thank you. We appreciate it. Cause the young guys, I mean, honestly, they see the cell stuff and they just, they, they couldn't help but be like, yeah, like I just want to be in the big leagues and like, like have like not have to worry about this. And I I totally got him. I totally got it. And you know when I if I were twenty two, I'd be like it's just another thing to worry about. Um, but uh, fortunately, I was able to um, bitch and complain enough for everybody. So what I mean, so you you obviously I mean feel very you know kind of emboldened to talk about this stuff post playing career. Um, and and I won't I won't ask you to rehash the 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 Fisher rant much as our fans might might like that. Um, but I but I am kind of curious. I mean, in the last few years, starting with the the pandemic negotiations and then kind of going through the 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 CBA negotiations and everything in between, it seems like there's kind of been more of a willingness on the part of players to maybe either speak out about these these kinds of riffs or or point out differences between players and owners um i i'm kind of curious your take on that i mean have has have you seen players maybe feeling a little more willing to step out of line i know that like historically you know you're taught to put your head down 
and play and don't stick your nose into these things, right? He's the guy who's signing your checks. But I, I wonder how this sort of thing has played out in the locker room over the course of your career, I guess. Yeah, because from our perspective, it feels like the gloves are off. Just like from the outside, it just yeah. feels like the gloves have come off a little bit in the last few years in a way that they weren't when we first started doing this show. Um, well, I think that what we're seeing, we're seeing this everywhere, but people are, are, are taking hard looks at the incentives for to continue putting up with stuff, right? And that's happening everywhere. That's not like, just look at what the auto auto un, auto workers unions did did, and they, they had this master plan going behind the scenes for like they planned this thing forever ever because they were just tired of it. And people are just like the, this m- amount of money does not give you free reign to do whatever you want now because you're paying me. And there is a there is of course not because we're human beings. Like you know, uh, I, people need to understand. I talk about this a lot. Is that because there's this, here's the argument I hear a lot. Like you can't complain because you have a high net because you're making a lot of money. Um, I, I had to explain this to a teammate once because he had a genuine, he had a genuine, uh, he wanted my genuine um, opinion on it. Being part of the one, he goes, we can't be mad at our owner because we're part of the 1%. I'm like, we're actually not because we don't own anything. Like that's the point. So that, technically we might be in the one, in the top 1%, but the one that is, phrase is said, it means people who own things versus people who do not own things. We are yeah. still salaried employees. If that person decided that we're not worth that money anymore, we have zero money. Like there's no, there's no between, right? So uh, the way these things work, where we saw in the uh, the lockout, and we saw in COVID, and we saw in uh, um, with the rule changes now, it's a lot of like, oh, this is what we want, and then the actions don't line up with those words. Um, they, what they actually want is to get what they want. And there's very little consideration about what we want slash need. Um, so I, I just had to explain, like, we're salaried employees. Uh, our system is a closed free market system, meaning like we have to yell at each other for this to work. That's the point. Yeah. Or if we didn't, they would be still billionaires and we would be hundred thousand years. Like <laughs> if we didn't do anything, that's what it would be. And they would just do that. Then they would try to lower it forever. And if we just said, okay, then they would just keep getting lower or stay um, as we see in pretty much every other industry. So uh, like, that's just the way it is. That's how it works. That's the incentive. So, uh, but once you stop being, once money stops being your, the major fire under your butt, then they can't count on that as much. Uh, that's when the gloves come off a little bit. I think there's more guys that are willing to, to, to talk about those things publicly because they have enough money. Um, or to to be okay, and and, and I I count myself as one of those person people, and I I'll totally understand why other guys aren't, um, yeah. and or maybe it's a lack of understanding too. There's like a thing like they don't really know, like young young guys don't really know actually how it's going to work. Like a lot of people, are like I don't even know what ARB is. Like I get that I didn't I wasn't quite clear on ARB until I got to it either. Um, I think that might be the point. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the point. So to keep yeah to keep you uninformed so you don't know like so you're just kind of taking it one step at a time because you're trying to establish yourself and i understand it and that's going to be advantage uh, ownership every nine, 10 out of 10 times every time yeah. um so yeah it it's i i hope though i i really do see like you know hopefully um you know when max is not there to to lead the flying v of the the pa or or that there's another younger guy who will take those reins and do the same type things so max just doesn't put up with it like he was just he was the reason that the lockout even got to where it did because people are terrified of him and going against what he said. And he's right. Um, and I was with him. 
and uh we got we got a little bit surprised by how the thing ended uh, we being me and him uh other people might have known but i i didn't uh, i thought that was going to get voted down 100% it didn't um and then that's just the way it is so hopefully though um more more and more of these things get pushed back on just and pushing back it's healthy it's the way it's supposed to be it's not it's not like ooh we hate these people or ooh we hate rob like it's just like the nature of our relationship is to ha- have friction so that we can come to conclusion come to 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 agreements and not just let one side who has the leverage and is the employer because they're always going to have leverage always um, they will take that leverage because the nature of business is to get value out of your employees that, that gives you more value than you give them. That's how it, that's how it works. You're yeah. supposed to do that. They're <laughs> not actually, grow. they're not actually doing anything. They're not actually yeah, creating. Like, they're not actually yeah. playing. They're just there. Just providing the means to create is the, yes. is the argument. And you can, so, we can go down that rabbit hole, which we, which we won't. I have a, a, like 50,000 questions based on what you just said, but I'm going to keep it to two. The okay. two questions that I have are what, what was your involvement with the PA? Were you uh, like, were you involved in bargaining? Were you a player rep for any of the teams that you were on is number one. And number two. So when the lockout wrapped up, the, Rob Manfred did his whole press tour where he was like, he called up some reporters. He called up Tony. He called up all these people. And he was like, I feel bad about how much animosity there is. And I want to, I want to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And I, I came in at a weird time for labor relations because of the mid 2010s and because of the contraction of TV rights and all this bullshit that he said. So do, do you think that anything has materially changed or do you think that that was just kind of a press cycle? Just press cycle. Um, we operate in press cycles. Uh, it's, um, the only way to get anything, any sort of acknowledgement or movement on from the from the uh, the office down in Manhattan is PR. It has to be a part PR issue. Nothing happened for sticky stuff until Bet Chris Bassett said, "I can't grip the ball," and we might hit people. Oh, suddenly someone was in the clubhouse that next day to be like, "Hey guys, what do you think about the balls?" Like, oh, <laughs> surprise! Look, look who's here. Like, you know, Morgan Sword. I mean, suddenly wanted to listen. So it's just the, yeah, you know, we get it. And, and then of course we played ball and we got the, the everyone's like, well, here's a, here's some feedback that, like, oh, we'll take that. Against it. No, you won't. You're going to do whatever you want. That's going to make money. Um, Morgan sword is a name that more fans need to know who that yeah, is. He, he's the next, <laughs> he is the next commissioner. Yeah. So know that Dan Helm is not going to be the next commissioner. It's going to be Morgan sword. hundred yeah. percent. Now that's not based on anything, but like, like, I don't know that anything other than me guessing just seeing how they seeing seeing how they've spoken to people see, listen to them speak to groups i'm like yeah we know right. who the, we know who the guy's going to be um or what he, what they're training them to do uh and and again it's nothing to do with the people as people it's just the nature of their jobs um but that is it's a it's a it's a public facing very large organization that has is worth 11 plus billion dollars a year so you're going to get, uh, you have to, you, you, you have to win the PR battle. That's just how everything works now. So yeah, that, that was lip service. Like again, he said that stuff. He also gave everyone what we dubbed them as beats by Rob. So everyone got a like beats headphones in the hole. <laughs> by the way, the box, it gave us a box. I'm F it. I don't care. The box is this big. We open it up. There's a tiny box inside of the big box. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Oh. It's Beats by Rob. It was like, I need Beats. I'm like, shut up. Don't like the gift. You're not supposed to like the gift. We all wear them. We all use them. <laughs> That's right. And there was like a little note in it written. Um, uh, and it was just funny. This year we got, uh, we got, though, we did get, we got Yeti tumblers and they had like the little speakers and the caps. And uh, 
That's kind of fine. I use the Eddie Tumblr. That's kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, do. Uh, so I was like, like a I really can be cool bought. like garment bag. So like, yeah, hey, we got some stuff that's actually like I was like, but again, you're like you're trying to buy us off. I'm going to take this, but I'm going to be mad about it. Uh, <laughs> we did get a we got a gift also from from John this year too, but that not quite as oh. good. A lot of people don't know that either. No one actually knows mm. that. I don't think that was reported on. Uh, wow, breaking news here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we got cowboy boots. That's pretty good. No, okay, no, they're not. <laughs> All right, uh, they were one hundred dollar cowboy boots. Oh my god! Wow. Okay, own from a company that he owns. <laughs> oh, oh, there's there it is. There it is. Uh, just so you know, I'm just gonna uh, leave. I'm not. I'm not gonna touch that. I'm just gonna let that was, eat. There was no. There was no note or anything. Uh, and it was around the time we got. Uh, it was around the time that it was announced the team was moving. So I think it was like a peace offering for us, but there was no. There was no communication. It was just showed up. And uh, they're not in my, like some guys were like, cool. And I was like, I, these are not wearable. I just, I don't care. <laughs> they were made of canvas. They didn't fit. Jesus they were Christ. for some reason in wide size. I don't want wide feet. I don't know why that, what? that's not his fault. <laughs> that's not his fault. I, I just, I'm just posting no, no, it's his fault. It's his fault. Basically <laughs> anything bad that happens on this podcast, we attribute it specifically to owners by name. <laughs> but it didn't feel very thoughtful. That yeah. makes sense. You should have went with the hundred dollar Chili's gift card or something. I would have taken one hundred dollars molten lava cake. You know, I would have taken. I would have taken seventy dollars in cash. (laughs) Um, But you know, it 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 just what what struck me was I'm like I don't think anyone thought about this. They just did it. Like no one was thinking critically about like what does this say? Is this a thoughtful thing? And do these like just don't get anything. Like we were kind of most people didn't care. I'm the one. I was walking around with them all day in the clubhouse. Like I almost wore them out to stretch. Uh, but I thought that would be too much. See, I, I was always very close to this thing, like really going, and I just I held my tongue. I try, I really tried not to make a scene because it's not fair to anybody. It's not fair to them. It's not fair yeah. to the people. It's really not fair to the social media group. Like, right? If yeah, I'm yeah. just constantly putting them in tough spots, I really didn't want to do that. And that was because I like them. I liked everybody there. So, um, but yeah, that was that was a that was a silly day. I still have them. I kept them. They're probably going to go on a shelf behind me at some point. I think frame them. You know, maybe. Uh, they're huge. So, so were you a player rep for, oh, for the player rep. Sorry, your question. Uh, no, 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 no. That was all great. I asked um, the harder question second, so your mind slipped. St- stayed on that. <laughs> no, I, I, I was never the. Uh, I was always an alternate. Um, I did uh, some like just general like uh, part of the big group, um, but I wasn't part of bargaining. But the only reason I wasn't a, a rep was because when I joined the Mets, they had Nim already. And he's going to yeah. be the probably for his whole career, his whole thing. He wants to do it. So I'm like, all right, go, go for it. And then we had Lindor on the subcommittee and then Max on the subcommittee. I'm like, we got enough Mets uh, in the room. Uh, there's a, that there's was, a, that, was a, that was an underlying narrative. I, yeah. I saw bubbling up that there was kind of like a lot of Mets representation. Yankees like you didn't representation. need me. Yeah. He didn't meet me, and that, and then Lindor kept me pretty well appraised. I, he would always answer my questions and would go into depth. Um, and then uh, with uh, Oakland, um, they're, they're, it's so funny because there's so much turnover. But the rep didn't turn over; it was Caprellian. So I'm like, "You are the rep. Do you want to keep oh. doing?" The rep? He's like, "Sure." Um, he's like, "Yeah, I actually do want to do it." Like he wanted to be part. So like everywhere I went, I was like, I'm, "I'll do it." And they're like, "No, I actually like doing. It. I want to do it." I'm like, "All right, I'll be here all. Just let me know if you need me to take anything." Pick anything up, and then I think uh, when I was with the twins, like it just uh, Taylor Rogers got it. Oh, Taylor Rogers became the rep when I had Tommy John, and then he was there the whole time. So I was like, "Hey, you need help?" He's like, "I'll do it again." I'm like, "All right." 
Um, but I, I, you know, I was, I participated in the conversations. I was always in the front row and the, you know, by Tony talking to him. Um, means I just, I just complained to slowly all, all day. He loved it. He loved listening to me rant. So you can imagine I can rant. Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty, I followed it very closely though. I, I was pretty well informed. Or, I mean, were you surprised that guys were, were like really actively excited about, about doing this? Maybe not surprised, but did that, does that feel like a shift at all? I mean, where, where maybe it, it, at one point felt like kind of a chore to do now there's something to, to really sort of rally around or do you, or do you feel like it's kind of always been the case where guys are ready to, to like, you know, uh, to get their hands dirty in this yeah. stuff? Um, I think that. Eh, maybe a little both. Uh, it just depends on the team. Uh, there's some teams that are just like, they're like, we don't have any power. So just tell us what we're doing. Right. There's a lot of those actually. Hmm. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, these are one of them probably. So it, it's, it's, I think that guys are becoming more informed and um, they're being, like we said, they're being a little bit more vocal. And then I think the fear of like, am I going to get to 10 years? Like, like the whole, I don't want to rock the boat for very long because I want to be able to get my get get the, the opportunity yeah. to get where I need to get to, and then that's kind of not so incentivized anymore. So guys are just like, I'm more open to just being honest here and and kind of going in because it's it's a good thing long term. Like I was fired about the lockout a lot, and people are like, "Why are you so fired up, man? You're like none of this affects you." I'm like, "Yeah, but I still care about the guys who are it's gonna affect. Why is it so weird that I'm thinking about other people?" <laughs> guys after me like why is that so it, it literally was weird to people they were like why do you care so much it's not about you i'm like some people don't aren't always thinking about only themselves all the time i don't know is what is in the normal thing to do is that a, is that a, that was a response you were getting kind of from the general public yeah, general or sort public. of within people okay, just like yeah. dude you're super you're super fired up about this and it's you don't have any skin i'm like i have some skin in the game but yeah like the you know, uh, arbitration pool is not going to affect me, but yeah, we want it to be bigger than smaller. Um, we want to meet in the middle. Sometimes we want to not just like, you know, it's not okay that claims are made that like people teams are losing money or that it's hard to make money. And then zero proofs is, is offered. And then you're like, Hey, okay, cool. Show me They're like, nah, yeah. no, like this dynamic isn't okay. Us doing this is not you saying that and then not, and then doing what you're doing. It's just not, okay, like we're adults. I thought we were adults. This feels like I'm at, in middle school. Um, and so it's just like that stuff. It's important to notice. And I was like trying to show younger guys, this is what happens. This is, it's going to feel silly. Go through ARB, go through an ARB hearing and just feel how stupid you feel. They're like, what are we talking about? I know. And the guy's like asleep that's about to make the decision about your life. And you're I don't know like, if you know uh, Jerry Blevins at all or if you guys have crossed oh, paths know, at all. Yeah, I know Jay. Yeah, he, okay. uh, <laughs> he came on our pod during the lockout, we did a series called CBA ABCs, and we did uh, we like focused on one part of like the contract negotiation that would was contentious during the lockout. And he came on for arbitration and just kind of explained what his arb was like. He was like, "I was proud to be an arb, but then I was sitting across from people who didn't know what baseball was." And I think that that oh. hit home for a lot of people that that was like, "This is who we're trying to make this case to." In an era of where the world knows so much more about baseball. And you can't even, you can't like bring Trackman into ARB. They would look at you like you had 10 heads. People are trying. Um, I know, I know. But it, it's funny. There's suddenly one, when, when they can use Trackman against you, they suddenly know everything. And they're really happy about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, convenient. It's, it's insane. Mine was all, I almost went to ARB over, uh, I think $5,000 for the principal. <laughs> we were both going to lose money. I was like, I'm going to take you guys because you're annoying. 
right. annoying me because <laughs> I'm a reliever and we're going for $2 million. Like, come on. Like, I don't make any money. I, I, at that point, I was like, I've never made a million in my, 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 my sixth year. This is ridiculous. Just, and they were just like, well, we can't give you that big of a raise. I'm like, I thought we were talking about total money. Like, no, no, because you, it's very convenient to talk about raises because you had Tommy John in the first year. We're going to talk about raises. But for that it's guy, we're going to talk about thing. total money. Yeah. Right? Like, I couldn't get the, my comp, they're like, you can't get the raise that he got. I'm like, why? Because you had Tommy John and you got made 900 grand last year. So that would be too big of a raise. And I'm like, that's dumb. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what? I thought it was total compensation, not how, versus what I made last year. What, since when was that the way we measured it? Right now, when it was super advantageous for us to talk about it. In and this very one specific moment. In this very specific situation, it is awesome that this is happening. But other than that, we're never going to use this again. I'm like, this is silly. And the ARP guidelines are set up to let that happen. Yeah. You just do this. Uh, a lot of this. A lot of just kind of shrugging and letting the process grind everybody I just realized down this is audio probably I'm shrugging and throwing my hands in there <laughs> I don't know um man I love talking about ARP I just fucking love it it's so because it just gets me going you know these Byzantine structures of collective bargaining agreements are my favorite um I wish so the one thing that you said in there that I wish came preloaded onto every baseball fan's brain and every baseball media reporter's brain is the idea that like if the players don't get it, then the owners get it and there's literally no other option. Because I think a lot of people who would say things to you like, why do you care? This doesn't affect you or whatever. Like they don't understand that if, if you're not getting the money, it's not like going to society to do good in the world. It's not like being donated to charitable it's causes. It's not lowering ticket prices even. Right, yeah. exactly. It's, yeah. like, it's like, not going to the fans. It's just, it's going straight to the owners. Like this them is the only saving option. money in ARB is not lowering your ticket prices. Those are going up. No matter what, mm-hmm. and it's not because they're not like our salaries higher this year, guys. Our 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 payrolls higher, so we should raise the ticket prices. They rose the the A's raised rose ticket prices. They were more expensive. It's just yeah. that's markets and those are well, Exactly. Oh, this is this is just the way business is. Um, and you, if I hear that one more time, hey, well, it is business. At the end of the day, it wasn't for ninety years, really. It really, the game until the 70s wasn't a huge business at all. Um, not even May 80s. Like, really, it wasn't. And then it suddenly became one. And, uh, and, uh, suddenly that's the ace in the hole we use for every, every crappy decision made is, is like, well, gotta make money because that's the only thing that matters. I'm like, it, it just isn't. Actually, it's not. You're deciding to do that. Um, well, then, you know, it's a prime example. John's comment yesterday, just like, it's harder on me than it is on you. He said that to a fan. Which Did he really I, say that yesterday? Wow, I'm off my that. game. I'm offline. I'm he off said my that. Game. <laughs> so he got he got some some guys got into the uh lobby at the hotel and he got cornered and he he walked over to him. He's like, Oh, I gotta like they're there. Like I can't this will be really bad if I ignore them. I, he's not stu- like he's been media trained. Yeah. Not not speaking, but being me, he's been media trained. That's what happens when you grow up like that, right? Yeah. So yeah, he knows yeah. like I, it'd be it'd be good PR if I went over there and did this. But as he was leaving, he was like, "I just want you guys to know that like it's harder on me than it is on you guys." And I think he was trying to be like personable, but in reality, <laughs> he just belittled. He just downplayed their pain. Um, and and so he's like, "One more question." He goes, "There's never just one more question. I got to go and walk away." <laughs> um, which he's right. There is never just one more question. But they were like. They wanted to ask him if there's any way to get the, if, if there was any path forward. And he was going to say no, probably. He didn't want to. Um, there, there could be if they 
really wanted to. He doesn't want to. That's very clear. He doesn't want to. Yeah. Uh, but that comment, that comment is is an entitled comment. He thinks he's entitled to this. He thinks he deserves it. Right. Like he makes the hard decision and he does the thing that hurts everybody, but he he also gets to feel like he's hurt too. You know, like don't don't yell at me. Like, guys, I have to do this because that's what business is. Like, and it's no, no, you don't. And no, it isn't. Like, no, (laughs) sorry. Like, no. (laughs) Like, you're choosing, this is a choice and you're making it. So own it. Own your choice. Don't act like you are a slave to the market forces you're in. Right. The invisible hand is just forcing you to Las Vegas. No one is forcing you to, and it's, it's trying to build the value of the team. It's not that, it's not that complicated and it's not that sneaky. Like it's pretty clear. Um, Don't be surprised if he's not the owner much longer past the move. And it's just an extra $500 million of value he's getting immediately. Um, and then we'll just see what else he tries to go do. Like that's just the way it is. Um, and I just, I, I, all I can do is guess because there's no way to know because he just refuses to get in front of a camera ever. But um, which is a whole nother thing. But like you just, who knows what he was told when he was twelve? Like what is what the what the what the purpose of life was? Like who yeah. knows? Right. Maybe making money is all he thinks there is. Maybe <laughs> living up to the name is all there is. I don't know, yeah. I, I, and I don't blame him. Because I like I just went through a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of things in my head that I used to tell myself that just weren't true. And so I had this, I'm going through this stuff as well all the time. And other people, everyone does. Um, and I'm doing the work. It's like, it's like, okay, yes. If any of this is going on, could you just like notice, catch it and maybe do something else and have some courage about it? Or stick by your decision and own it and then be like, hey, I and then acknowledge the people that you're hurting because you are they've told you that you can't deny that um and the only i feel like the only reason to not get up and defend something or, or talk through something is because you know it's indefensible or you or he's like they won't understand that's because it's indefensible not because it's this unique thing that only you know about it's because it's not defensible because it's not very because it benefits you and only you and that's not cool not not a great thing uh and and when you live in a society of people Sometimes you got to think about another person. Um, but that's just my perspective. I just, I didn't, I, I feel for the people because I know a lot of these people who are going to be adversely affected personally. And I feel for them. I, I, I like them as people. I think they deserve better. Or they deserve at least one of these, like a little, hey, thank you. Yeah. At least that. That's yeah. still probably pissed them off, but, and it sh- as it should, but at least it's uh, some eye contact. I mean, they yeah. just want a little bit of eye contact. That's all they want. That's all people want. They're humans. Or cowboy boots. That's the other option. <laughs> or you know, you could try cowboy boots. Good luck with that, though. Just give it a uh, shot. You know, just, maybe, just maybe, in here. maybe different ones, though. Uh, Trevor, can we close with a handful of uh, rapid fire questions that sure. we got from our listeners? Sure. Alex, you want to start us off? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this first one comes from Nick. He wants to know uh, which pitcher in Major League Baseball history would you be most interested in seeing their TrackMan data? Oh. You know who's a good one? Who I think has had crazy ride was Jack Morris. Yeah. Mm. I bet you he was like just just 21 and that and that and then the fork ball right after it. That's why that was so good, man. It was the exact opposite. So, but I wouldn't be surprised if the fork ball didn't drop as much as we thought. It's just fastball just carried so much that it seemed like the it difference seemed like between it, them. 
yeah, crazy. Um, so I, it would have been awesome to see his carry on his fastball. Um, and I bet you the other way, I bet you Nolan Ryan's movement stuff, pretty average. <laughs> I, bet right. you I think he threw really hard. I think he threw really, really hard. But movement wise, um, I've seen video. I just like, I think that's just like, I don't want to call it dead zone stuff, but like, but it, then again, if you go, I, just so, just for context, if you go look at Jake DeGrom's movement in a, in a vacuum, none of it's okay. elite. Yeah. It's just, they're, they're very, very, very good friends with each other. <laughs> and that's why they're so good. <laughs> uh, and it's probably the same thing with old, old Nolan, uh, very similar tunneling and stuff, but um, in terms of, so yeah, those two guys, I'd love to see Jack Morris back follow. My cool. answer for this is always the Gibson slider. I just need to oh, yeah, just the Gibson, Gibson slider. slider. Just, but that's like the cheat code. That's like the normie answer. I like the Jack. Brad Lidge's response. slider would have been cool. Lights out Lidge. He's got a great gyro. The classic gyro. Like the 85 mile hour curveball. Gross. Um, how about this comes from Dawson. The wildest bullpen conversation or argument you ever oh heard. <laughs> that uh, you can That is safe for air without exposing I, anybody. The wildest? Oh. oh, I don't even know. I mean, I played with Sergio Romo, man. Like, we talked <laughs> about some stuff. <laughs> um, there's been days where I had no idea what was going on in the game for a while. Because we were just like... Like, day, like days uh, when you knew you weren't going to pitch? Or, or right, even days or, when you or might like, be Or cold. like the game, like we scored seven in the first and it was seven nothing. And I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to. So I, I can just like chill until the fifth. Like, uh, or whatever, we're way behind. Something. So, um, and then we just saw the leverage guys were like, Arguing over something. I'm trying to think of something specific. Um, someone who who had just a dumb take that we just destroyed this year. All right, let me let me think about it. We got to go on to the next one. I, All right, I got great, it. great. All right. Well, this this uh, this next one's another one um, where you can maybe gas up your teammates a little bit. Uh, Owen wants to know uh, who were your favorite teammates that you played with over the course of your career. Ooh, favorite teammates. I got a lot of really good ones. Um, so my original bullpen mentor was uh, Kevin Jepson. So Jeppy was one of my one of my. He was a big like guys. We're relievers. What we do is we complain. That's what our job is, <laughs> and we're you're you're gonna do that well. And he was a master at just being like the like the big PFPs. He's like, no, why? <laughs> like he's that guy, and we'd all be like, yeah, listen, Jeppy. Um, uh, Matt Belisle, another great guy uh, for learning how to play the game. Um, wasn't a teammate, was a bullpen coach, but I'm a, I got to throw out Eddie Gordado. Uh, his stories are incredible. Um, and then uh, good buddies like Tyler Duffy and Tyler Taylor Rogers were my guys. So we were like the te- Trevor Taylor and Tyler uh, in the bullpen. And we grew up to get, grew up through the game. And that, that was, it's awesome to see Taylor's uh, success and, and Tyler's, uh, Tyler's hanging on and, and still playing too. So we've all played for a while and, um, uh, Romo's up there is one of my favorites. Tommy Malone was a great teammate who came to my wedding. Uh, love that guy. Um, this year, I, I had some like Shay was awesome to to ha- have as a battery mate. Uh, uh, loved uh, loved Nito. Uh, loved loved Pete Alonzo. Man, he's one of the he's like one of my favorite teammates ever. He's one of the most genuinely nice people like on the planet. Everybody I, says that about him. That he's just like the he's biggest so goofy. sweetheart. He's just a goof. The, and he'll tell you he's world. a goof. He's just a goofy dude. And he does yeah. goofy stuff. And he went to Florida and he likes, he's, he like, he's very SEC and likes to talk about it a lot. Everyone's got a nickname and he's, he's, you know, but he's just so like, he's just a goober. So like, it's hard to take him seriously when he's like trying to hype people up. I've been led like, to believe that 
I've been led to believe that Pete has sneaky good music taste. Like he's in like the pop punk, like indie rock genre. Is that true? Yeah. So, so am I. So okay. So that's the next that. question I had for you was: You have the aux cord. What are we listening to in the clubhouse? Ooh. Um. So I'm a I'm a electronic guy. A lot of people know that. So it's like this last year it was it was it was pretty much just straight up pop punk, 2000s, 90s pop punk, and then uh, and the drum and bass. Just like drum and bass made a comeback this year, and I was just playing. And they're like, "What are we?" I'm like, "Don't worry about it," because it was that or 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 Tony Camp just. It's just, it's just Drake, 21 Savage, Drake, 21 Savage, Drake, 21 Savage. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, anyone else? I, my, 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 this is my pet peeve all year was explaining to everyone that they didn't know this, but 21 Savage is actually trash and they don't know that. <laughs> and so, and then I would like break down the songs, like, listen to these lyrics. And he just is monotone. And they're like, but it's like a vibe. I'm like, I got nothing. You like, can't argue with that. Yeah, I mean, we got we got Geloff and Soderstrom walking around. Just all it is is twenty one, and and I was just like, I do, I don't get it. I but then again, I didn't like hip hop even that much when I was their age either. I was still electronic yeah. music. Like, I was just being, I was just being the old head on purpose. But I got to dig though. What what's like your pop punk zone? Like, what's your sort of holy trinity of pop punk bands? Do you have like a, a ride or die? Uh, yeah, are you like, are you like more like Fallout Boy, Paramore era, or are you more like okay, like, anyone who doesn't say paramore is that's right crazy they're right. amazing uh red jumpsuit um nice. those oh. are my karaoke songs yes uh guardian angel and uh um it's a fall uh the other one uh face down face, face down. down yeah face down those are my alex two. did that at karaoke I did that a couple karaoke. months ago kind of a downer of a song though it is right, a you're singing song. the lyrics and i'm like oh my god this is this is some heavy stuff you just see guardian angel and karaoke is pretty good <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it takes off there at the end. Um, yeah, Fall Out Boy, uh, uh, even like kind of the pop, but the later stuff like Panic and 303. And I like those guys at the very end. Um, I mean, Panic still makes music. And I've also played Fortnite with Brandon Yuri, which is weird. Uh, wow. Random. Uh, one time. And I was like, wait, is that Brandon? Like from Panic of the Disco? They're like, yeah, I'm like, what? This is crazy. And then Dead Mouse joined. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I shouldn't. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk. They're so famous. Um, I like talking too. So that was tough for me. Uh, there's another one. There's one I'm missing that I loved. Um, crap, dude. Like was, Blink or like. I mean, we, I love Blink. Or like, offspring. Yeah. 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 Well, Blink. Blink's a a, a very easy one. Um, yeah. Um, all of them. I like them all. Uh, this next question comes from Alex, uh, who wants to know which one pitch uh, would you want to steal? Uh, and and our little addendum to that is is uh, in a pitch from history that you'd want to steal, and then maybe a pitch from uh, present day baseball. I'll take uh, Duran's blinker as my fastball. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be yeah. nice. Um, I'll take <laughs> Degrom's four seam fastball. I'd take. Uh, I'll take the ghost fork. Saying his ghost fork is oh, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It just makes mm-hmm. professional hitters look so bad. But in reality, with with my stuff and how I well, okay, so either the ghost fork to be my changeup or Brash's slider. Yeah, Brash's slider is just I don't understand how it's physically possible that he can do that. Um, but every single hitter I've talked to is like, I'll be like, who's the nastiest guy in the league? Brash, Brash Brashes, it's Brash, Brat, <laughs> Matt Brash, and the only way you can hit him is if he throws a fastball. If he throws a slider, you're out. It's just, and you got to hope he tries, he gets behind, throws a fastball. 
he still throws 98. So it's not like it's easy, but they're like, <laughs> we're, we're really trying to trick him into throwing one fastball and just not be. That's why you got such bad swings of sliders because guys are just sitting on Peter. Right. <laughs> so yeah, Brash's slider is the top probably right now. Well, Trevor, you've been so generous with your time and we really appreciate it. Uh, it's been really fun talking to you about everything far and wide. Uh, Pop Punk, John Fisher, Cowboy Boots, the MLBPA arbitration. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We, we, we really appreciate it. Is there anything that you want to plug specifically by name that we haven't already talked about? The newsletter, the pod, the streaming, all of it. Please sign up for the newsletter. Uh, and uh, the YouTube channel is getting a lot of videos coming up. Uh, tons of stuff in the works. It's going to get regular stuff. So that's Trevor May Baseball YouTube, on YouTube. And uh, you want to subscribe to the... We're ha- I'm having the hardest time ever getting stuff on my website. So just on Twitter, it's my pinned tweet. That's the that's the that's the link for the uh, su- for the uh, subscribing to the newsletter. That is the best way to do it at the moment. Um, but eventually, I am Trevor May.com will have it there too. So if you're listening to this in three months, check there. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Trevor May. Thank you to everybody for listening. And thank you especially to everybody who signed up for the Patreon this past week. It's been a big week for the Patreon, obviously, because we restructured how it works. And there will be bonus episodes, which we alluded to a little bit in the first 30 minutes of this show. Um, I told people that I would try not to do the full spiel every time, but I'll do the brief spiel, which is that if you sign up at the top tier of our Patreon, you get two bonus episodes per month. It is every other Thursday they will be coming out. Um in addition, in support of our normal weekly Monday episodes. So thank you to our new patrons. That includes Elvis, Cade, Brandon, Stefan, GMAC, Patrick, Ryan, Brian. Ryan and Brian, back-to-back, love it. Josh, Andrew, Peter, and Sam. If you would like to become one of those patrons and get bonus episodes, we have one live. We have more in the hopper. That's patreon.com slash tippingpitches three different tiers the top tier gets you those extra episodes every tier gets you access to our slack which is a really fun place to be and hang out and spend time with members in the community uh and make friends it's hard to make friends these days alex you know you need more opportunities more avenues for friendship Mm -hmm. and uh the middle tier you know it gets you a newsletter which it's Alex Baisley's turn. It is is my turn i don't know maybe i'll work some through some of these thoughts about days on there start cooking bro yeah start whipping it up that four-hour monopod, just put that into the newsletter form. You can write a little novella. Graphic novel about John Fisher. Ooh. When? Okay. Many people are wondering. Intrigue. We also have some holiday cards coming for our t- handwritten holiday cards coming for our top members. It's a lot, it's a lot going on in the Patreon. Go check that out. Um, next week on the pod, we will uh, have an interview with one of our favorite bands in the world right now. They are called Pool Kids. Many of you will remember that about halfway through this season in June, Pool Kids sent a tweet out about how the from their lead singer, uh, her name is Christine Goodwine, she went to high school with Pete Alonso and had English with him, and he would get so nervous before his speeches, and his face would turn red, and his voice would shake, and he was a really sweet guy. And when we saw that tweet, we were like, finally, our excuse to talk to one of our favorite bands, which otherwise we would have no reason to talk to on this baseball podcast. But we did it. We did it anyway, because that's our right. <laughs> I this is kind of how us booking guests goes, which is 
go through their Twitter feed in the last few months and see if they've referenced anything from baseball whatsoever. If they have, book it. Book it. And even if they haven't, you see if like maybe they might care about like workers. You know, and then we all <laughs> right, run back yeah. into the same big pool. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was a great conversation with Andy and Christine from Pool Kids, and I think people will really enjoy it. Uh, we also have a bonus episode coming up that week where we uh, clean up all the questions that we didn't get, didn't have time to answer on our 300th episode mailbag. That'll be a Patreon episode, and then. The following week, a normal mailbag and voicemails. I know a lot of people have been calling into the voicemail box to keep it alive, and they've been send, people have been sending us voice or sending us questions via email. So please continue to do that because in a couple of weeks we're going to do a full episode mailbag out of those voicemails and questions. So uh, that number is seven eight five four two two five eight eight one. I think that's everything. I just gave people like the next like months worth of content. So mm-hmm. ingest it, prepare for it. It's going to be exciting. We'll see you next week. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!